This episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast is brought to you by Cedic Run. Did you set any goals for your running, walking, jumping, or throwing in 2022? If you did, you'll want to make sure that you've got the shoes, the spikes, and the gear that you'll need for your success. With several of the top brands in the game, Cedic Run is the place to get everything you need to reach your goals. Try out different pairs of trainers on the store's fancy woodway treadmill and ask Richard, Adam, and Matt for their expert advice. We love SDR and we know that you will too. Cedic Run, where life and running intersect. Located in downtown Grand Forks. You are listening to the second episode of our newest season, which we're calling Legends. On this season, we'll be interviewing some of the best track and field athletes ever in North Dakota history. After trying to line something up all of Christmas break, Cam and I finally found time to sit down with our college coach, Don Larson. To be honest, I had a pretty hard time writing an intro for Lars. At first, I started compiling all the stats, the number of conference titles his teams have won, how many All-American honors his athletes earned, so many of those stats, but it just didn't seem right because that's not who Lars is. Coach Larson will be the first to tell you that he doesn't care about those numbers. Instead, he cares about the athletes that he coached, and you're going to recognize that right away when you realize that this interview is just a little bit different. Lars reflects so much of the praise to his assistants, and he really wanted to talk about some of his favorite athlete stories instead of himself. But even though this episode is a bit different, we know that you're going to love it. So without further ado, here's our interview with the legend, the GOAT, Don Larson. Uh, my um, sister was married to a guy by the name of Red or Ronald Erickson. He was actually a four-sport, four-sport athlete at South Dakota State. Um, you had uh, football, basketball, track, and throwing baseball, four sports. And uh, they had moved to the Seattle area. Well, years ago, Bruce Soft, our offensive line coach, had had a former athlete that after graduating, just he moved up to Alaska and moved to Wasilla, Alaska, of all places. That's where Sarah Palin was from, if you know anything about political history yeah. in the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, native Alaskan. Well, he invited Bruce to come up fishing one summer. And so Bruce, you know, wanted me to go. Well, I flew from Fargo to Seattle, but I'm, I'm two days ahead of Bruce. And so I took a bump in Seattle, went and stayed with my brother-in-law and sister well my brother-in-law and I are walking down the streets in Seattle and I, I said to Red I said you know Red you coached in Madison Coleman um, Coleman South or Coleman Minnesota St. James Minnesota Platt South Dakota I said you must run into all kinds of people out here because it's a hodgepodge of people from the west he goes nope never have we were walking across the street and I heard this hey coach Larson <laughs> and I thought he was all over and it was a kid by the name of ron oren it was a class a minnesota kid he was out of section 80 he was a triple jumper for he was stationed in the naval base out in out in seattle area and stuff i thought my brother i was gonna (laughs) but you know when you spend that many years you know i was very fortunate to spend 40 plus years at north coast state you're going to meet a lot of people um, you know, you coach a lot of athletes and their families and their parents and their coaches. So you really can't go anywhere without running into somebody 
that you know. And so it's been, you know, really fun. I mean, we've been, I've been in California, I've been on Venice Beach and bumped into people. I remember we were on a beach in Mexico one time and there was a middle-aged couple taking pictures of each other. And I said, hey, let me take your picture. And just as I snapped the picture, the guy goes, aren't you the track coach from North Dakota State? Oh <laughs> well, anyway, it was the, athlete, listen to this, it was the athletic director from Stephen Argyle. Really? Okay. Andy Ockrey, Andy Knoll, and Ryan McLean were all from Stephen Argyle. You know, small world. <laughs> Crazy. Small, very, very small world. So anyway, yeah, just, you know, again, I was very, very fortunate. So, cause this, you know, this is not the route that I had picked. I, I, you know, I went to South Dakota state and, um, under Jay Dirksen, who was uh, my collegiate coach, he actually grew up in my hometown, um, and tried to figure out what I was going to do. Initially, I, I thought I would go into soil science. Well, I'm taking classes with all these kids in the ag world. I mean, I'm a city kid, so I didn't know what to do. So I got out and I got into education, and and sure enough, I actually student taught in elementary under Steve Berseth. This is in Brookings now. I got under a guy named Steve Berseth, but Steve Berseth was an NDSU graduate. And he was head of the elementary physical education program in Brookings. He was moving to the high school and it was a done deal. I was going to take his position. Well, the school didn't get finished, was behind schedule. I was graduating, didn't know what the heck I was going to do and stuff. Um, and I had an opportunity to become a state farm life insurance agent. I was befriended by a guy by the name of Harry Manchine. And, and he ran the uh, college master program in Brookings. And I was within a week of heading to Texas to become a state farm life insurance agent. Lo and behold, the track coach from Concordia, who I'd met through my college coach called, was going on sabbatical for a year. And they needed somebody to come up and replace him. But not only was he the track coach, he was the receivers coach in football. So I went up, interviewed, got offered the job. That year, they added women's cross country and track. So I had women, men and women's cross country and wide receivers in football. No way. What year was this? <laughs> yeah. And I was the head men's track coach. And we, and there was a gal, by, a lady by the name of Joyce Prokop, and she was a physical educator, but she had never been in track. And she was actually the head women's track coach, but she needed a lot of help. It was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And so I slugged throughout my first year and, and stuff and, and, uh, I slugged through my second year. Actually, a friend of mine from my hometown packed up with me the first year and came up and went to work for the uh, one of the local bread companies in Fargo. And oh man, it was bachelor living. I learned how to cook, called my mom up and and things. Um, but anyway, to, to make a long story short, I, I you know after that was all done and stuff, I and it wasn't sure what I was going to do. And Sonny Galsvig, who was the offensive line coach head men's basketball coach and assistant baseball coach. Um, in my third year, um, I lived with Sonny and Marcella and he was, Sonny was working in Irv Inniger, Irv Inniger, the legendary basketball coach in North Coast State. He was mm -hmm. working in Irv's summer. And AIDS Bondberg came into the lounge and they had to say, Sonny, this Larson kid applied for the job. What can you tell me? And as God's truth, Sonny looked at him and said, hire the guy and get him out of my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 
Uh-huh. I'll be I'll be very honest. That's one of the reasons I got hired. So I, you know, so it was really good. I, you know, my so my mentors, you know, my college coach Jay Dirksen was from my hometown. He basically rescued me and thing. I it's hard to say what I ended up doing. I had Jay not come to Madison, recruited me and things. And then you know, I got the NDSU and of course Aids Funberg, um, legendary athletic director at North Dakota State. Um, and between Aids Bonberg and Pat Fredrickson, like a lot of people know Pat, she was mm-hmm. ticket manager at the time. And I can remember Pat sitting me down and just, you know, giving me the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I learned a lot and I, I know a lot of gratitude to, uh, to aid and, and Pat. And then as, as the, obviously as the years passed, uh, clean Heimstead, who came as a compliance director, um, Kelly Lehman, who was former, a women's assistant basketball coach. She became director of academic development. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Larson thought we were related. They said, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. not even but I mean, what a, what a great bunch of people to work for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then, and then we were very fortunate through the years, you know, looking back, um, you know, look at you two guys, you know, Grand Forks kids decided to go to North Coast state. You know, want to step outside the box. And for some kids, they, you know, they want to stay in their hometown. For others, they want to get away. Well, fortunately, guys like you chose North Dakota State. And look at the four or five years that you guys were there. When you came in, there's three, four years of guys in front of you. By the time you leave, there's three, four years of guys behind you. So look at the friends that you people have made and stuff. I just, I still yeah. remember recruiting you. I still remember recruiting you guys. Yeah. Well, I, um, I added it up one time. And if you take like, you know, assume there's like between 15 and 20 people in the four classes ahead of you and 15 and 20 below you. I mean, all of a sudden you've got like potentially up to 160 teammates, not counting people that kind of like come and go like that number mm-hmm. might be closer to like 180, you know, by the time oh, you're yeah. all said yeah. done. There were years we didn't have cap enrollment. When you yeah. guys, towards the end of your career, it was when they finally started putting caps on rosters. Mm-hmm. Uh, equity, big thing and stuff. And so we we were cutting people. Um, you know, and the crazy thing about um, track and field in particular, in this part of the country, a lot of the guys don't get real, or, and gals don't get really, really good until the end of their first, second, third year. You know, I, I always said yeah. we had probably had a kids that could barely walk and chew gum when we recruited them, but they ended up being conference champions. We've had kids that didn't place in the state high school meet. They ended up being all Americans. Yeah. That didn't place in a state high school meet. They ended up being conference champions in the North central. I mean, that's just, Mm -hmm. that's great maturity. um, You know, leadership among, you know, look at when you look at like, like some of the guys that were upperclassmen, when you, when you were in, you know, some of the people that we had an opportunity to coach, you know, people like Arden Beachy, who probably was one of the best coaches, you know, Arden had an injury at the very end of his senior year and couldn't finish senior year and ended up being one of the coaches and stuff. People like that. Stevie Keller mm-hmm. as an example, on and on and on. Well, in, you know, let alone the number of assistant coaches that we've had, you know, from Mark Waldera to Justin St. Clair, um, and finally we got a redheaded female and my mother is redhead. And so I'm very partial to Casey. <laughs> yeah. Big, big shout out to coach Whitty. Yeah. You know, I, I had witnessed her 
um, at, when she was at Nebraska as a volunteer assistant under Gary Pepin. And uh, Gary Pepin, longtime family friend, um, Gary tried to recruit me to join the Nebraska staff. And of course, at the time, my college coach had gone on and had gone to Illinois and then left Illinois and was actually the distance coach at Nebraska at the time. And they went down there and I, I was there for three full days. It was hard to say no, but, you know, I, I didn't want to be an assistant. Uh, Desiree and I were early in our marriage and stuff. And, you know, Fargo was the place for us. North Dakota State mm -hmm. was, was a great us to raise kids and things. it was it was definitely the right thing to do yeah you know i feel like we're gonna jump around like a lot of question wise um so i'm gonna okay. ask one question like related to that and then i'm gonna jump to a totally different time period so about about what year was that when you got offered to go to nebraska uh that would have been uh let's see I'd only been at North Dakota State a couple of years, so about 1984 in, in that range, mm -hmm. 84, somewhere in there, um, you know, but th that was also around the same time I had a job offer to go to Humboldt State. Uh, one of my longtime friends, Jimmy Hunt, was the legendary coach at Humboldt State. He you know, it was a distant school, and I, I went out and visited after the national meet and stuff, but Humboldt State, you know, they were in the marine biologies and everything, and that's when the state was going through some real financial things, and and Humboldt County is actually the marijuana capital of the United States. Um, <laughs> it was about 360 days a year out there and, and things. It was really hard because I, I really respected Jim and things, but, you know, so I, you know, turned that position down and and things and there's other positions that I interviewed for just you know people called and stuff but you know Fargo um, North Coast State was an unbelievable place to work um, but it was also a great place to raise children mm -hmm. and really you know people talk about Fargo and the weather and stuff but I just yeah we got to get you back to Fargo Ryan I know. You're I know. talking about how great it is. We got to get you back here. I'd love to. How did you get started in track? Because you had your hometown uh, friend that was the coach at SDSU that recruited you. But like, you know, mm -hmm. what was what was it like growing up? How did you get started? I, you know, I think that when you look back at um, high school days, it's probably three people were the most influential. One I had an older brother that was an athlete football player good football player not a very good basketball player and a pretty decent track athlete well you kind of and although we fought like cats and dogs oh man we i remember we had a thriller from manila in the front yard one day and my mom was trying to get my dad to break us up and there's just no way you know the neighbors are like <laughs> close the doors the kids are at it again yeah and think i looked up to my brother because he was an athlete and i tried to emulate him um, and thanks. My brother-in-law um, um, had, by the time I got to junior high, had, you know, again, had been um, Platte, South Dakota, um, Coleman, um, St. James, Minnesota, uh, and about two or three other, Lynn, Minnesota, and my places. Well, they came to my hometown and he was, uh, uh, teaching physical science, but he was the um, working with sophomores in football, 
JVs in basketball. And then he was uh, one of the track coaches. And so got a lot of influence from, you know, a, a brother-in-law. And then, you know, a person that I really idolized was my high school track coach. And, you know, we were basically one of, if not the smallest of the class, because uh, North, North Dakota, South Dakota at that time was A and B. You know, now it's considered the state of ribbons and trophies. I think there's four or five classes and things. So when you think about what little population that there is and things, and we, we just, we had a lot of success. You know, I, I can remember, the, you know, the biggie was winning the Howard would won the Howard Wood Dakota relays um, four by 400. Uh, of course, it was 440 relay back then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and meet like that because there was teams from all over the state and a few from Iowa and a few from Minnesota and, and things but everything was run on cinder tracks and and things and I you know and I so when I you know look back about you know the influence of my brother um, my high school track coach and my brother-in-law and things I was, just, I was very fortunate to have you know good mentors and things I you know my my father um, worked at a, a company that was privately owned um, worked a lot, a lot. And I know that I remember my first construction job, um, I think my, my freshman year of college was my first real good summer job. I was working for a small concrete company, my hometown. And I know my first paycheck, I was making more per hour than my dad did. And my dad had been with this company probably for like 35 or 40 years. Oh man. And things we didn't really grow up with much. I've had a lot of people through the years, um, you know, the example of the people that I've met since, um, you know, leaving North Dakota state and, and thing is just that it was time, um, you know, COVID had arrived. Um, we were getting ready actually to leave for a spring break trip and then on to the national indoor meet and Dean Bershani, president of NSU called and said, Hey, I heard they canceled your meet. And, you know, COVID hit school was out. We were moving on and, and um, those of the coach Keller and I were met with all the athletes and I'm halfway through the meeting and realized it's time, it's time. And so, and my daughters have been urging me, I was, you know, well into my sixties and pa actually passed full retirement age. And so I just, I finally just said, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm done. It was time. It was, just, it was a sign. And um, you, you know, there comes a point in time in your life when you got, you realize, well, you either do this until the day you tip over or you step away. And it was time. It was time. And I've been, I've been very blessed and I've been very busy since then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lars, one, one thing we noticed when we were talking to Myron Loberg, uh, who's a volunteer assistant at NDSU and a friend of yours, uh, when we were asking him about how he came or he went from uh, running at Valley city to, you know, coaching it up in, I don't know where he went, but he ended in up in Devil's Prairie, Lake. North Dakota, Prairie, Prairie North and, Dakota. And then Devil's Lake. But the one thing with him, it just seemed like whenever there was an opportunity, he took it. And it kind of seems similar with your story. You had this chance, you know, you were in South Dakota, had this chance to come up to Moorhead and you just took it. Uh, you don't see people take action like that as much these days. Why do you think that it? Oh, can I say this on... <laughs> on the radio or not on a podcast yeah, yeah we can oh, yeah. we can edit it out or do whatever <laughs> uh, I, i'd say philosophical my father's philosophy on life is 
sometimes you have to stick your butt out in the wind once in a while just to see if it gets blown away. <laughs> <laughs> and what it's about is it's about sometime in life you have to take risks that you have to step outside your comfort zone. You have to step outside your play the box, you know, and again, my father barely finished an eighth grade education, but yet he's probably one of the smarter people that I've ever known. And he taught me that the three most important things in your life are your faith, your family, and your friends. The rest is kind of irrelevant. And when you think about it, a lot of that is true. And, you know, and again, you know, people say, well, geez, what about your job? What about you? Yeah. Okay. I get it. I get it. But think, think faith, family, and friends. And when I say faith, I'm not necessarily saying in particular dad, because my mom wouldn't even take my dad to church because he got kids in trouble all the time. I'm, I'm not kidding. Okay. So my dad would go out to Lake Herman and meet with his buddy. And we always claimed that he probably went out there and conducted services and things. And uh, I, it's just a true story. I can remember being at a funeral with my dad and pastor Hubby looked at him and said, you know, Arnie, we're open on Sundays too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I just, you know, again, I, you know, my, my parents, um, you know, didn't have much, you know, cause my dad had been married three times and things. And, but you know, mom had it being a cook at the high school, which was great and stuff. Cause then fortunately in the late morning I had study hall and the person that's, study hall let me check out and I could go sit in the kitchen and visit with my mom on a K on occasion, obviously. Mm -hmm. No, I just, um, it, it was all good. Yeah. Lars, I want to hear a little bit about when you competed because I was listening to a podcast, uh, Sidious Mag podcast and they interviewed Seb Co, the great Olympian. And one of the things they asked him was like, you know, with the technology and the training and everything these days, how fast do you think he would have run? And, you were an All-American twice in the 400 hurdles. You still have the SDSU school record. I don't know if you knew that, but it's if you go to their indoor facility, you're still up on the wall, and you won a bunch of conference titles while you were there. What was your experience like as a college athlete? And like, Do you have a couple races that really stand out or some great memories oh, of your time competing? Man, we, uh, <clears throat> we trained in the – uh, my first year, we trained in their ba old basketball facility. And the basketball facility, the, the barn, as it was called, was just a big Quonset. And it had the main floor and then two kind of practice floors, not totally, you know, full-size floors on the end. Then there was a black line that was painted. And it was like a one, oh, I don't know, 170 around and things. And, but when I was a freshman, we had guys like Glenn Carlson, John Philhouse, and Walt, Rob Wallstrom. Uh, um, Glenn, I've stayed in contact with. Um, he was a longtime coach down in Canton, uh, South Dakota. He was really kind of my mentor, my pa, as you would say. And he, he was an intermediate hurdler and, and things. Um, John, I haven't seen much of since graduation. But then Rob Wallstrom belongs to a group of college friends. And we had a New Year's Eve party. It was a New Year's Eve party um, back when we were upperclassmen. And this New Year's Eve party turned into a summer reunion. And this past year, we had our 44th annual or 43rd annual reunion. Wow. And we, we haven't missed. 
And most people have perfect attendance. And this, it's been in Fargo, Fairboat, Minnesota. It's been Minneapolis, Rapid City, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and things. And to see the transition that these people have, have gone through um, and things. And so, you know, that kind of goes back again to their family and friends thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. you know, when I think about student athletes, I've had a chance to be around and, you'll bump into them or, you know, Christmas cards and, or phone calls or letters, or it, you'd be surprised where you're at. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's good. Yeah. I remember one time you were telling me a little bit about your training when you were at South Dakota state and you were just telling me about some like crazy workouts you did. What were like, what was some of your training like, or like, what were some of like your favorite races? We were, we were nuts. All, um, Unfortunately, uh, I, I, as a youngster, I had an attitude that more was always better. And over the Christmas break, I got carried away and did a lot of way too much distance running and then repeats and whatever, and developed to the beginning of, and from a, a fall in the hurdles, um, I had an incident where my hamstring um, was tearing off a piece of my ischial tuberosity, which is the bottom of your pelvic bone where your hamstring is attached and that separation. And so to calm down this inflammation, I had injections. Now that's back when they used cortisone and things for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And of course you know much about cortisone and things like that. And these days, probably not, probably not the best thing to use on muscle attachments and things my running day is over yeah. <laughs> like four days is over um and things so um pushing 70 and sometimes i think i'm 17 so lars earlier you had talked about <clears throat> those athletes that uh you recruited or that came to ndsu who maybe uh didn't place at the state meet and then were you know all americans or conference champs what's like one give us one or two of like the biggest improvement stories that you saw as a coach oh uh you look at some of the class kids um that we that we had through the years well you really tested my memory here a little bit (laughs) Um, that uh distance oh paul leblanc was one paul blanc was one uh minot north dakota kid um, and Paul was one of those high school distance runners that j- he just wasn't very good. And he comes to NDSU and of course, everybody, legendary Pepe Le Pew, who he become and things. And, uh, I remember Kurt Bacon, who was a national champion steeplechase for us was, uh, was a volunteer assistant, you know, and it was like, you know, Paul LeBlanc, where, I mean, where did this guy come from? Yeah. And things, he just gutty, gutty. Uh, you know, people like Brian Strummond, who's big in the ag world and things like that. They called him Frog. Ever back then, everybody had nicknames yeah. and things. Mike Wick, Mike was uh, um, ended up working at. Uh, he ran Big Bertha out in the coal uh, mining fields and stuff. I believe he's in New Mexico days. Some of these Class B kids that came and you know really made an impact um, in the program. So one of the stories I know you would tell us before our conference meets was about 
a four by four. Here, here's what I remember from it, and you you'll fill in the gaps. I know you will. A four by four, an opposing team with a a shirt with your face on it or your name on it, and the ultimate. Or I don't know if it was the anchor leg, but a the t the t-shirt said NDSU and Andy Don Larson suck shit, and that's what it's. <laughs> oh my! The referee made him take it off. That's the best thing that could have could have ever happened. Um, Can you so tell anyway, us that whole the, story? Yeah. In this relay, okay, back then, okay, we're running at the conference meets at Howard Wood, eight lane track, and of course, there's nine teams, ten teams actually in our conference, and so. We, the first heat runs, we're in the second heat. We got like six, seven guys warmed up because we know what kind of time we need to run. Well, lo and behold, nobody says anything, but back then AccuTrack was timing. Well, you have to have plenty of light for AccuTrack. Well, the guy running the AccuTrack didn't tell anybody. So they're going solely off a of hand timing. Oh. So we're in heat. We know how fast we have to run. And, and I want to say it really wasn't that fast. We had to run like three 322 and we could do that in our sleep you know and so we we're running and, and we're in heat too and i got like six guys first guy runs we're running pretty good and then i point okay this guy runs okay number three runs okay run and you know we didn't win our heat but we didn't need to we just needed to run faster in this time and i get through and i look at it and i was like hey we're in well then they announce the qualifiers and they've got a time that's two and a half seconds slower than what all of us have time. Now, not, I'm not talking 2.25, two and a half seconds. Yeah. So we're not in the finals. But of course, we just, you know, we got to take care of business the next day. We find, well, in case we get down to the Marilla the next day. And if Mankato State wins the four by four, we lose the conference meet. But I'm thinking, well, they got a decent four by four, but Augustana's got a great four by four. UND even had a great four because they're anchored by the legendary Norm McGee. So the, the really takes off and everything's going great. Mankato's in a distant third and they get to the anchor lake. You got Chris Silva, okay, who was an all American 800 meter guy. He's like a 149, 150 flat half miler. Norm McGee, he was a national champion at 100, 200. He was, you know, Bodine beat him in the 200. But these guys are good and they got a big lead. So they had a baton. I'm just sitting there and Halfway down the backstretch, Norm McGee from UND and the Augie kid run at each other and fall down. Fall down. And so, Mankato kid goes ripping by, and I'm like, I can't believe this stuff. And so, they get to the 300 mark, and they're heading up the home stretch. Well, um, the UND kid and Augie kid have righted themselves, got up, but they're way back there. Well, Moo is a 100, 200-meter guy, Max. And at 310, it looked like you shot him. And about 20 meters to go, these guys, I mean, he's barely walking. And these two other guys come roaring by him. They go through the finish line. I'm sitting up there. One of the kids goes, coach, is that enough? And I go, there is a God. There is a God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, needless to say, oh, my gosh. Yeah, through the years. But, Lars, can, can, you, can you tell us the Pepe Le Pew story? Oh, Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. Is this, is this legal? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a couple of Pepe Le Pew stories. One of them was that they were, they were out on a run um, in the dead of winter. And of course, back then the, the distance kid didn't matter what the weather was doing. And they, they had the tits eight route that goes up through North Fargo. And, 
and stuff. And they're running along and Paul has to, you've got to go to the bathroom. He's got to go to the bathroom now. It's an early on a Saturday or a Sunday morning and there's no traffic and stuff. And so they're right in front of God and everybody on the street corner, Paul, he's got to take crap. So he, he takes this crap. Well, and then another one was we run a UND cross country invitational and they're in one van and I'm in another van and driving and, and whatever. And, uh, they come out from the, the we ate at the Bonanza. The guys hated it because I loved eating the Bonanza, you know, the Ponderosa steakhouses and things. So, uh-huh. and anyway, Paul's trying to be funny, and of course, he lets one out, and of course, he ends up crapping his pants <laughs> and, and stuff. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, it goes in, washing, hangs them on the rear mirror of the vehicle, you know, outside to, you know, try to get them to dry off on the way home and things. But I just, I just know that the guys that when they were out for that morning run and Paul did this, they're just like, Paul, you're a dog. You're just a dad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, you know, there's another kid that, you know, came from Minot, was a very average high school athlete and, and stuff. And boy, when it came to competing, you, you better line up. Uh, you know, I can never conference meet him just taken off in the thousand with you know, like two laps to go and ends up winning the thousand meters and stuff. And it was just, it was just like, it's the inspiration. Well, you guys remember what, what it takes from inspiration, you know, to, you know, do, do specific things. On the topic of good mm-hmm. stories, we had somebody that asked if you could tell us the time, the story about Eastern Montana college and the time that they showed up for the, the regional meet in Fargo. Yeah. So um, anyway, we're hosting the NCAA regionals in cross country. And that back when there were Eastern Montana and a bunch of other schools were involved. And um, it's, it's the weather's really crappy. And we're out the week, this is a week before, so there's no meat. And so we're getting ready to go up to the Edgewood golf course and run the course. The course is cold, uh, closed because there's a little bit of snow on the ground and stuff. And I come out of the office and I walk out into the indoor track. And there's a bunch of athletes, male and female. And I'm thinking, well, the Minnesota State meets this weekend. But wait a minute, this, this can't be. And I said, well, maybe it's the junior college, whatever. And, and uh, this guy comes walking up to me and says, hey, Coach Larson, we were out to the course and it's not marketable. I said, Mark, Mark for what? He said, well, the NCAA division two regionals and cross country. I'm so-and-so friend. I'm from Eastern, Eastern Montana. And, uh, and I said, coach, you use early. Use a week early. He goes, no, I know it. I got the meat information. And then I'm thinking, you know, we had changed the NCAA had changed the date and, you know, we were responsible for sending out the meat information. And I'm thinking I sent them the wrong stuff. And the other schools we had had contact, phone contact with. So I'm going to say, so let's go back to my office. So go back to my office. And I pull out the file and I pull out the letter I've sent to him. And I turned him and said, hey, coach, you're a week early. <laughs> and he did. They just read it. And they were a whole week early. Now, the interesting thing is he actually worked for the state department and was not, he was not a full-time staff member. Well, lo and behold, I have a cousin whose desk faced his. Huh. And they, what they did for 
months and months afterward, they would send him reminders when Christmas was, when his birthday was and stuff. But can you imagine? And of course, by the time that I get out to the indoor track, because we're still going to take off and go up there and do a, you know, run in the course, this is week before. Well, his kids now have spoken to our kids and realized they're a week early. And they drove through a snowstorm to get to Fargo to start with. And so, yeah, by then their kids have all gone back to the van. They're mad as heck, but it gets better. Okay. So the next year, the NCAA regional meets in Omaha. Okay. Their bus doesn't start in the morning and they're late getting to the course. <laughs> and oh, no. Headed back on the freeway. The bus catches fire, breaks down outside of Mitchell, South Dakota. <laughs> Like takes them forever, forever to get back home. I mean, it's just stuff that you would never wish on your worst enemy <laughs> and things. I, I think it was at the end of that year then that they got actually got out of coaching. I probably would have too. I mean, just, you know, stuff yeah. that you just, you know, stuff that happens. Yeah. I mean, you just, you, you hear some really weird, weird stuff that happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, you can't make that stuff up. No. You can't make that. You know what? You can't make that stuff up. My freshman year in college, we, you know, the new, um, we, we like say we ran in the, the barn and then the barn wasn't available anymore, but they, they, they were in the process of building the new alumni or the new student union. And the part of the student union sat on the, they used to have these old barracks and they were just um, basically one or two bedroom apartments, but they were all connected in a row. If you can imagine these old time low ceiling apartments and just a long mm -hmm. row. Well, the college track coach at South Dakota state came up with the idea of making an indoor track. So they went in, they tore all the walls, all the floors out in between. And so it was just, it looked like a, just a long hallway. And then they had some construction guys take plywood and build around and so we had a 146 dirt indoor track three lanes wow three yep and on the and on the back stretch there was i think actually four lanes and there was enough room to run three hurdles but we could run four hurdles on the wood floor on in the indoor track but the thing is is that you had to warm up in the barn you know which was the old basketball facility and then they would you would hustle over a block, take off, and then just get on the starting line and take off and run. We, I remember running an invitational high school meet there. It was, it was insane and things, <laughs> but I can remember dueling Brookings, dueling Brookings high school in there and the barn wasn't available. So all of the events were run. Well, the hurdles, because of the bank corners, you can only run one person at a time. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. You only, you only could, you could barely get four hurdles in. It was just, yeah, it was, a, but it was so, there was no heat in the building. There was just no heat in the building. Yeah, it was just oh, some of the stuff. Yeah. And then considering the facilities that were built and, you know, remember going up to the old facility, University of Minnesota, before they put artificial stuff in it. And it was clay. It really? was clay. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was, oh, that was the best running on those places and stuff. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. then going to Winnipeg, 
two indoor meets we went to in my early years in college. We went to Saskatoon, ran a 146 board track that sat inside of a hockey arena. And uh, I can remember that uh, you ran a four by one lap relay. So it's a one, only a 146. So you can imagine one lap and trying to stay on the, to stay on the turns. And we had two seniors, a junior and myself as a freshman. I just remember them saying in the four by one relay, when you take off, if you don't get the baton, do not turn around and look. And I'm like, why not? Well, I was watching a heat, the team, you know, they come around, first guys come around and the team out in lane four, the guy didn't get the stick. Well, he turned around to look, well, he ran into the hockey glass instead of continuing. Yeah. And so, and there was just enough room to fall down in between the glass and the track. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. You know, crazy. and then you, and then, you know, in Winnipeg, then the early days, they, they had the similar thing, but it was a little bit bigger track. But the cool part there is, is that they would turn like in the relays, they would turn the lights off and then there was a spotlight followed and get this. We won. We won the four by four relay and I, this must've been my sophomore year. And we had three South Dakota state guys and one North Dakota state guy on our team. <laughs> really? How did that work? Yeah. Yeah. We, one, one of our guys was hurt and couldn't run and Jay and, and Bruce Whiting were friends and North Dakota state was short a couple guys. So they weren't going to be able to run. Well, one of their guys really wanted to run. So he ran on our team. Seriously, ran on our team. We won the four by four. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. Never <laughs> see that today. Only, yeah. only in America, man. Only in America. Yeah. yeah. Lars. But yeah, it was, it was, we, we really had fun going to Canada and competing. It was a blast. I'm going to fast forward here to you briefly mentioned the coaches convention down in Florida just last month. And, that was a big deal for you because you got inducted into the hall of fame and just tell like the people that are going to be listening to this episode from a outsider's perspective. I feel like the coaches convention is almost like a who's who, like everybody's there um, regardless of division, regardless of where across the country they coach. And so maybe just tell us about like what the coaching convention is like, and then just tell us about your weekend getting inducted into the hall of fame and what that meant to you. Well, fun part is, uh, family, grandkids and daughter, your son-in-law, Desiree and, and things. And then, you know, friends that you've met, um, you know, through the years, um, that were there, um, you know, the coach Keller, most of the NDSU staff, um, were able to go. Um, there were some others that couldn't go and stuff. And we got messages and things and, and just a lot of your old, old friends that you met, we actually, um, had reserved, um, three full tables and one table had a couple extra seats at it. And, and George Williams was there. Now, George was the one that sent Desiree on our, um, honeymoon to again, into the Bahamas and things. And George and I've been buds like forever. And so one to just to be in around so many of your peers, um, people that you've, you coached against for so many years, and then, because we, we stayed in the, the headquarters um, and, you know, at breakfast and lunches and then during the social hours at night and stuff. Uh, what was really fun is to bump into the number of young coaches from across the country. And um, 
I can remember sitting um, in the hot tub with my grandkids and, and one daughter the one day and a bunch of these young coaches stopped by guys and gals and stuff. And, you know, me trying to impress upon them that, you know, Hey, I was in your, your, your shoes at one point in time and things that just, you know, we're fortunate that a number of young people have decided to pursue the profession and, you know, my hope is, is that these young people that have pursued that they find positions, they find, you know, jobs that some of those old dinosaurs like me retire <laughs> and, uh, you know, we can move into bigger, better things. And, you know, you look what Stevie Keller has done at North and the staff that he's put together and, and things that, you know, I mean, with, you know, I needed to retire and, you know, Justin St. Clair, who was amazing to work with and stuff. I mean, Justin's turned down so many jobs through the years and things. And, you know, finally there was a position where it was just, it was really hard for him to not, to not go and things. Um, and, uh, trust me that, that the new, the new guy they've hired is, uh, is the real deal and yeah. things that's, yeah, there will be a, okay. All in good time all in good time was that award something that you knew was like coming or was it was it a shock to you well, when you got um, the nomination I, not not I, I, no i had really had no idea as far as a length of time um and I, i'll be very honest wes offerman um and ndsu Sports information has a lot to do with the, that type of things about, you know, people being promoted and things being, you know, nomination and things like that and, and stuff. So, well, I've always said hire enough of great assistance and stay out of their way and amazing things happen. <laughs> so Lars, did, when you got that award last month, did it like feel like, like, did it feel like kind of the closure you had? Cause you went out at COVID year, you didn't get like a final kind of send off meet. What did it, what did it feel like to be up on that stage and accept that award? Was it kind of just like the cherry on top? Did you see like your whole career flash um, before your eyes? Well, yeah. When you say flash in front of your eyes and things that spans a long time and things, and you just, you just realize that, that sometimes, um, you, you know, sometimes in life, it isn't necessarily what you know, it's who you know. And then once you get there, it has a little bit to do with, you know what you know but like i always said just hire great assistants and learn to stay out of their way and you know give them the resources um you know to be successful and when i when i say that i've been very fortunate the number of alums some of which have been very fortunate in, in their lives um and things um and a few of them that have like forest forest gumps mentality some of that money's for living and the rest of it's you know, for doing good things. And, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the things that we're working on them. And that's why I'm doing the Dippin' Dots because that money goes into endowments and getting more and more alumni to be involved um, either through team makers or um, through endowment scholarships, or, you know, cost of attendance measures and things. I mean, that's, that's college athletics this day. I mean, it isn't, is it running a college athletic program isn't getting cheaper. You know, so it's having, you know, people that are behind your program and things. And I just, you know, again, the people that I worked for, you know, the Dades Bonbergs, the Matt Larson, Clean Heimstead, Pat Fredrickson, uh, um, Dean Bershani, 
I, I you know, I tell you, you know, stories about presidents. We're, we're at the NCAA regional championships in Sacramento and Sam Seam. Sam Seam is a former one of the lead assistants at LSU. He took over as head of USA track and field, um, which runs all divisions in the NCA. I and mean, this is this is the end, you know, type thing. And we were in Sacramento for this. And Sam looks at me and says, I understand that your president's here. I go, hey, Dean. So Prashani comes over. And these, of course, they had met each other before because Sam, back when he worked for the surface company, had been in town. So they knew each other previously. And then, you know, Dean, Dean visited, you know, with him a little bit and then had to go and, and things. Um, and, and so Sam's like, it must be nice. And he says, you're telling me. But I said, that's Fargo. That's North Dakota State. It's it's the team makers. It's the boosters. It's the faculty, you know, and, and the stories that I could tell about the faculty support. And that's why I said recruit smart kids that are motivated to get educations and things. And, you know, I remember I think I remember telling you guys this stuff. OK, stay in good with your with your academic advisors, stay in good with your professors. I don't want phone calls from professors complaining about people not going to class or being disruptive or whatever. But, you know, I really never had that issue, you know, just, yeah. Recruit good athletes and hire good assistant coaches and life moves on. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things there that I didn't realize how uh, important they were until I got out of college. One being uh, how, how fortunate we were to have the the university president that we had. I remember being at a meet in California and just seeing him like walk around at the meet, you know, and I don't, I don't think there's many uh, presidents that would, would university presidents that would even think to go to a track meet, much less be, you know, yeah. Invitational. Yeah. Yeah. Invitational meets. Yeah. Right. Not just the, not, and he's, he's been to a number of the NCAA championships. Oh, yeah. I remember it was, it was an NCAA, NCAA regional meet, one of the major NCAA regional meets. I didn't even know he was there until the end of the meet. Yeah. You know, but, you know, his his wife now, Christy, is the one that sponsored the women's track locker room. Wow. Wow. And she was not, she, Christy was not a track athlete at North Coast State. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. NDSU is really you know, it, it's really a, a special place and, you know, people see all the, all the championships and, mm-hmm. you know, the conference titles and, and the NCA qualifiers and Olympians and stuff, mm-hmm. but, but it's really built on, on more than just, mm-hmm. just those successes. We did have a question that somebody had submitted. They just uh, high school athlete, just wondering like, what advice would you have to a high school kid that would want to run you know, let's say specifically at like North Dakota state, but just any high school kid that wants to run collegiately, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot, you know, because of the internet and the meet results and, and things like that, there's, there's not too many hidden gems anymore where, you know, athletes that people don't know about, unless it's a kid that, you know, doesn't go out for track until his senior year. And nobody knows about this kid until he actually starts running, you know, meets. Well, a lot of people, you know, by the time, you know, spring rolls around, they like to be pretty much done recruiting. But I remember we always used to find, you know, would find a kid out of the, like a Minnesota section meet or at the North Dakota high school state meet, you find some kid like, holy smokes. And you'd luck out and the kid, well, yeah, I'm actually going to North Dakota state or nope, haven't decided yet. Well, 
course, nowadays it's a little tougher because they have so many deadlines about application for admissions and getting into summer orientation and, and things like that. So it's, you know, it's fine trying to find that hidden gem, the kid that was the basketball football player that, you know, never really ran track. And we've, you know, we've had a few of those type of kids in the past. So I, yeah, it's not an exact science. <laughs> You're, it seemed like you were always looking for the athletes that were very well-rounded. Like, is that a good way to sum it up? I think, you know, when you look at, um, you know, some of the term like paralysis by analysis and stuff that kids are maybe overtrained, that they live, breathe, eat and sleep, just track their whole life. You know, they, they started there as an eighth grader and they went all the way through, but they never did other sports. And, and so sometimes it's, it's probably better to have, in, in my opinion, and in you know, I guess history repeats it out. It's probably better to have a kid that was, you know, a basketball player, a football player, hockey player, hockey, serious hockey player, Chris Barta, Chris Barta, Chris Barta bailed us out one year. He played club hockey at North Coast State, came out for track and ended up jumping 6'10 in the conference meet and ended up angry, ended up running a leg on our four by four because wow. one of our good kids got hurt. And because of, because of it, we ended up winning the meet. I had never run a 400 in college. Seriously, wow. coach, I'll run. Coach, I'll run. I'll run. I'm like, you got it, man. Because you, you knew the kid had guts. You knew the kids yeah. had guts. I, you, you, know, you can't train heart. You can't train guts. Kids either have it or they don't. You and your, you and your colleague there, you had guts. Yeah. You guys had heart. And again, you, that's stuff they can't train. You just And so when you get athletes like in your program, at least you got a shot. <laughs> I think a big part of that though is like, and Cam, you can attest to this and add to it, but for the coach, I mean, for your coaches and teammates, like I wanted to just like give everything I had because you invested so much in us. So um, that's right. Yeah. Like, I guess I got to say thank you for that. Cause yeah, yeah, just got to believe, man. Got to believe. And then, you know, and then on to bigger and better things, but it's, you know, it's the thing is that, uh, you know, sports, provides an ask, you know, an avenue for heroism and things, but it also prepares you for life, particularly in a sport like track, because, you know, w- w- you know, unless you're on a relay, but even in a relay, you, you have a job to do, you know? And so you're, you're out there on your own, on the stage and, and stuff. And so it prepares you for situations and there's going to be situations in your life where there's going to be some stress involved. Mm-hmm. Well, I can do this. I need to work through this. Okay. I need to sit down and I need to, to work through this. And I just, you know, when I look in, at you guys and what people have become these days and they've gone on to, you know, bigger and better things and, you know, make a life, you know, make a difference, but, you know, but also, you know, try to make a difference in somebody else's life. Yeah. There's so many uh, stories from just when I, when we, Ryan and I were there that I can think of, of, you know, people, stepping up to the plate and, you know, being the hero that we needed on, on that day. Oh yeah. Kind of like you were talking wow. about, I mean, yeah. even, even if it wasn't like winning an event, you know, like, like I think Matt Moberg, uh, tore his UCL, yeah. whatever your, he tore his elbow in the multi and then he went and still threw the open javelin yeah. uh, or the, yes. the four by four, uh, down at South Dakota state indoors where, where it came down to, oh. to that. And, uh, uh, there's, there's plenty of others, but, um, 
Yeah. I mean, oh, one yeah. thing, I mean, the thing that probably has stuck with me more than, than those uh, times is uh, when, when we lost the conference meet, actually, you know, you, mm-hmm. you were always, you know, competitive and you wanted to beat South Dakota state, you know, probably more than any, any of us on the team did. Um, but after we had lost, you said, well, you know, if this, if this is the worst thing that has happened to you guys in your life, you lost the conference meet, you've had a pretty good life so far. Yep. Um, that's, that's right. Really and, stuck with me. and there'll be another day. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be another day. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Lars, you're, you're fairly well known for your, your, your fishing stories. So I, I just mm-hmm. want to know if you can tell us where you fish. In the boat. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on. Okay, if we're on the topic of fishing stories, okay. This okay. Is, Matt Mober used to work at the Shields in Moorhead, and his manager was, is a hunting buddy of yours, I believe. Denny Steiner. Yes, okay. Now, mm-hmm. Denny had told Matt, and then Matt had told me a story about one time how you guys were duck hunting, and you shot the duck and it, it hit you in the chest and knocked you out. Can you actually, actually, uh, actually it's that story kind of been, been retold, but the real story to that is, is, um, um, an athlete that I coached that was from Frederick, South Dakota, long story short, all these years later, great family friends. Um, I used to spend, uh, before I was married, my summer vacations, I'd go down there and I'd work, um, in the bait shop during the day. And then I'd work in the restaurant at night, um, either waiting tables or cleaning tables, or I'd keep the bait shop open, um, and things. And that, that, that's what I did on my vacations. Um, um, I actually had a key to the bait shop at one point in time and it just became, you know, really long time family, family friends. But anyway, so I'm out there over the, over, this was, um, a year or so previous to this. And I'm with Bobby Smith, the oldest brother, and we're out. We shot some geese in the morning, so we're out special. So we're out hunting in the in what in the actually in the buffalo pasture. And there's these holes that are augered into the ground, so you can kind of crouch down into them. And then the geese come off the river and fly up through the bluffs and stuff. And and uh, Bobby goes, well, here here comes one, and so comes and he shoots it. Well turns and flies back down towards the river. Well, now it's snowing out. So I run down and get this goose and I'm running back towards the pit while I'm about a couple hundred yards away from the pit. I can hear this honk and here comes a bunch more. And so I turn around and drop it down and I got my white coveralls on and I pull up and I shoot the first one and it just crumples up. And then I pull on the second one. And I shoot this second one. It comes dead, but the first one came down and hits me square in the chest and breaks my collarbone and breaks one of my ribs. And I flip over backwards and of course, now my gun goes off again into the snow behind me. And, oh. and of course, the first, the, the goose I had gone to retrieve, I had thrown on my back. So now I got blood all over the back of my coveralls from this goose. And Bobby, see, here's these two shots. And then here's this muffled thing. And then he comes over there. And of course, I'm laying, well, he thought I shot myself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, his brother and a friend, they're sitting up on the bluffs and they witness this whole thing. They're watching from binoculars. So then they come down there and load me up in the truck. And, uh, and fortunately, um, 
there was a, a physician that would run over to Eagle Butte once a week. And then he would come back and he would actually stay at the resort. So I said with him and I got some medication, some painkillers or whatever at the local pharmacy in Gettysburgen and came back. Well, so I get back to NDSU a couple of days later and I go in and see the NDSU's trainer while our team physician is in there. And so I talked to him. Well, lo and behold, Colpack is in there. This is um, Ed Colpack. And Ed, here's the story. So then he calls and talks to Bobby. Well, now it makes the Associated Press. <laughs> and so this story is in the Denver paper, the San Francisco paper, <laughs> papers all over the country. So I, now I start to get mail and I get a hard hat that somebody's manufactured a goose raider on it. I get an <laughs> old time uh, life jacket and they've converted it to a hunting flak jacket. <laughs> And so for years later, I know we were out at a national meet and Don Mamet's a good friend of mine. He was coaching at Cal North at the time. And he comes up, Hey, coach Larson, tell my grad assistant about you hunting these hunting geese now. and then yeah. getting run over. And all, <laughs> all I can tell you is that when I, when I, when I got hit, it felt like it went all the way through. <laughs> I mean, I was hurt. I was, I mean, I was really hurt, but, and of course, then it ends up on one of these sports calendars. You know, funniest things that, oh, yeah. So for years, for years later, I'd bump into people I'd know and they'd heard the story, but I just hadn't seen them. So, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that there's more to that story than what I previously knew. Well, Lars, thank oh, you yeah. so much for, for joining us. Oh, you bet, guys. Thanks again for being a great coach over the years, and, and we yeah. really appreciate it. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to get together, um, when we get back to Fargo sometime this, you know, this winter, the spring, the summer. 